Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. And I'm Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. Today, we have a really cool chance to chat with Katie Swansea, a vice president in DaVita's clinical enterprise. Welcome, Katie. Hey, thanks, Doug and Grace. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks, Katie, for being on the show. Really appreciate your willingness to tell us some stories and get share your insights around building this muscle of executive presence, this cool topic we're talking about. It's kind of become a buzzword in the business world. So let's start with when you think of executive presence, what, is, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, lucky for me, I knew this topic was coming up, so I was able to do a little bit of research on it. And I think the tricky part about executive presence is just like you said, Doug, the word is used a lot. And you hear, especially with people more junior in their career, it's something that they need to work on. Mm. But it feels a little bit nebulous. Like, where do I start? What do I do differently? How do I address it? And so I actually went out and surveyed a couple of people from my team. Oh, cool. And and just asked, hey, what, what does executive presence mean to you? And it was interesting. I think in no case did people come right up with an answer. They really had to sit there and think about who, you know, a person that either displayed executive presence or what are those a couple words that resonate. And so the words that kept coming up were confidence. So there was Mm -hmm. something about confidence that um, led to um, thinking that a person had good executive presence. So it's kind of this idea of inspiring confidence. Mm. And so I think that that's one big component. I think there's also the component of being articulate, mm-hmm. um, but being concise, you know, saying what you need to say in as few words of, as possible, um, knowing when the right time is to talk and use your voice. And then I think that there's some nonverbal components of it too. So body language. So what is your face saying about Mm -hmm. how you feel? Like, do you have a scowl on your face? Are you smiling? Are you relaxed? Um, And and just the volume and pitch of your voice. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes gestures suggest that you have um, more executive presence. So I think it's multifaceted. And, you know, the other thing is I was doing a little bit of research with the team Um, it it shows up in people in different ways. So I think that there's no perfect answer. It's got to be really authentic to who you are as a person um, and your personal style. Um, Otherwise, it's not going to come off in that authentic way. Yeah, those words are kind of tricky, right? Because I'm wondering if people are looking at the title thinking, are there executives present within your room? Like, are there right. executive <laughs> right. leaders here? Is that what executive presence mean? They are present in your room. And then um, and then I was trying to think of, like, where does that come from? Like, the confidence thing is definitely something that I, I hear a lot as well when somebody says you do have executive presence or a lack of confidence if they feel like you don't have executive presence. And I wonder if it's because it comes from executives being able to inspire confidence at the levels that they operate at. And therefore, that's where the words come from. I don't know. I'm I'm speculating at this point. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right on. I think it's it's really. Do you have confidence in yourself? Because I think that that in many people comes out very clearly. Like I I'm confident in what I'm saying. I'm confident in being a member of this room or being part of this meeting. And then it's an you know reflective in other people the way other people address you as well. If they nod at you and you know I believe what you said and yes, it sounds like that's what we need to do. So I think it's really a two way street. This idea mm-hmm. of confidence. I almost think like you could replace the word executive with leadership, right? Like because if you're inspiring others to follow 
it, it is, it's like executive presence, right? Mm-hmm. The leadership presence. And part of what I, I like about this conversation is it sounds like there's an interior component to it. Like how are you, what's your level of confidence in yourself? And then how does that get portrayed externally and communicated externally? So it has these, these interesting components to it. Right. Yeah, good point. And um, so, Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey in building the skills? So thanks for laying out, you know, what it means to you and what you've uh, found it means in your research <laughs> with your team. So tell us about how, how did you get to where you are with uh, with executive presence? Yeah, you know, along the way, I ha- certainly had a lot of coaches who coached me on different ways to improve my executive presence. Um, And depending on what the meeting was or the point in my career, the coaching was really different. And so what I would say is when I was early in my career, I started as as an engineer. Um, I was often the only female in a room or I was with a lot of people who had a lot of experience in the manufacturing space. Um, And so I got some uh, feedback early on that just use your voice, just say something, you know, just say, be in this room, kind of own your space and just say something. It doesn't have to be the most brilliant thing, but but just try in every single meeting you're in to to find your voice. And so that was something that stuck with me um, throughout my career. And as I've had different opportunities to be in meetings with different people, if you're, you know, in most cases, if you're there, you're there for a reason. You're there to add value. You're there to contribute. And so in all of those settings, think about where you can contribute the most. And so I think that that was a really valuable lesson for me. I think the other um, great piece of feedback that I got actually in my journey here at DeVita early on um, when I, I started out as a director, um, the vice president that I was working for said that, I, you know, my, my body language, my positioning, the way I sat in a chair hmm. um, came across as not professional. So How maybe, did you sit in a chair? You know, I was kind of slouchy. My, you know, hands were kind of not, you know, I wasn't engaged. I wasn't very present at the table. And so that just gave off sort of this aura of like either I don't care or I can't contribute in a meaningful mm-hmm. way. And so just those couple things to be aware of that are, you know, so easy and so deliberate, say one thing and then just sit at the table like you belong there. And do you feel like in those moments that you didn't care? Like, was it, was your intent not matching up with your Yeah, intent? I would say, yeah, I would say my intent was not matching up with my body language. It was a, it was a lack of awareness on how, how I was showing up and how people were perceiving the way I was sitting. And it was just a really minor tweak that I had to make it, but I had to do so consciously. Like I had to think about going into a meeting every single time and sitting up straight, you know, and you can kind of look at the room and see how are people approaching the table? Are they leaning in? Are they leaning back? And then you can kind Mm -hmm. of modulate your um, space in in a similar way. Because I think at the same time, you don't want to come across as being too aggressive and owning too much of the table and owning too much of the space. You want to make sure that it it mimics what others are doing. Yeah, that matching component to make sure that you're calibrated equally with the other people in the room. Yep. I just think back to childhood about like my parents telling me to sit up straight. So <laughs> right. like, don't slouch, sit up. <laughs> exactly. It continues. It continues in the professional space as well. Um, I think the other piece is reps. Um, and then finding someone whose style you like and matching that person's style mm. or taking pieces from that person's style. So for example, 
Um, I le- I really um, appreciated early on the way people would segment their their points. So it's kind of like I have three points to make. Here are my three points. It's number one, and it also helps people kind of follow you mm. through if you have something, you know, more a, a little bit longer of a sense to say. And so finding those people who you really like their style, you think they have get good executive presence, and then kind of copying those points of style that that kind of match you your your style. So maybe people who inspire your confidence, like if you notice somebody, you're like, gosh, I want to follow them. They seem like they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. I trust them. Maybe trying to match your style to theirs. Yep, exactly. So wondering if you'd be willing to share a specific story of a time when you, uh, before you found your voice and your confidence and and walk us through a little bit around that. Yeah. So I'm going to share a story. It was um, the second kind of professional job I had. I was probably in my mid-20s. I was an analyst working for an insurance company. And uh, my I was there. I had been there for about a year. And my boss said, hey, Katie, would you mind coming to this meeting with me with um, the head of our department, so the vice president of our department? Um, he really wants to look at this analysis you did. So I had done an analysis about six months earlier, looking at demographics of our, our patient population. Um, and so I you know, was like, oh, okay, am I ready for this? Um, I hadn't been in very many meetings with this gentleman, um, but I was excited about it. I wanted more FaceTime and thought it would be a good opportunity for me. So I got in the meeting, um, and I should have thought more about this, but I was pretty cold on the mm. topic. Hmm. Um, I hadn't looked at it in quite some time. Um, and so we started getting into his questions and instead of kind of taking, being confident enough, I guess, to take a time out and say, you know what, I really need to refresh myself with this analysis before, um, I'm able to answer your questions more articulately. I started just fumbling, Mm. you know, I started just talking and talking and talking. I wasn't answering his questions directly. Um, I think my face turned bright red. I probably started sweating a little bit. I probably started <laughs> fidgeting in my seat. And right. it was a pretty, pretty bad interaction mm-hmm. with him. And so eventually, you know, my boss saved me and said, you know, why don't we, why don't we try this again another time? Um, and it took a long time to rebuild credibility with him. You know, mm-hmm. I had, I'd had this moment. And I think especially as a younger analyst, you're so um, – quick to want to please. Like, mm-hmm. I want to show how smart I am. I want to show how much I know about this topic that we're like, I'm, per, I was not willing to, you know, just stop and say, I got to refresh myself. This is not going to be a good use of your time or my time. Let me, let me refresh myself. And so it was an important lesson for me to learn early on because that level of being prepared, you know, being prepared helps you be confident. If you don't know the material, if you don't know what you're talking about, it's going to be really hard to be confident. It's also in, an interesting dance because that would have taken a high level of confidence to be able to say, I'm not, I don't know this well enough right now. So right. it's this interesting dance around confidence in yourself versus confidence in the content and being able to be confident enough to say, I don't really know the answer to that question. Let me get back to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I also think it was interesting because you gave an example here where because uh, you weren't confident, you didn't have that executive presence, that you spoke a lot. Like there was a lot of speaking. And a previous example, you had said that you didn't speak up and that you needed to find your voice and speak up more. So I, I, I just I thought that was an interesting way that you it could show up in two different ways. You could either be silent or you could also seem like you're contributing a lot and actually not contributing a lot. Exactly. And actually kind of detracting. I mean, in mm-hmm. some ways, like over 
over talking can be worse than not talking at all. So mm. it was a good lesson. Yeah. Well, um, tell us a little bit then after you kind of got some coaching and you learned a little bit more about this and how to to show up in a way you wanted to show up and inspire the confidence. Can you tell us a story about a time where you felt like, yeah, I got it. You know, that's it. Yeah. So um, the as I mentioned before, the big lesson I learned in that um, interaction with the vice president was this idea of being prepared. And so I kind of said, you know, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to make sure that I'm really prepared for this. And so I was invited to um, be in a strategic planning ses session. I think I was probably a senior analyst or manager level uh, teammate at that time and had a very small part in the overall strategic planning process. So a, a small part that I had pretty deep knowledge about. And so as I was brainstorming with my manager, the role that I would play at the meeting, I said, you know, I really know, here's the slide, I really know this slide really well, and I would, I would like to speak to it. And so she's like, yeah, great, you know, I want to, you want, I'm asking you to be in this meeting for a reason, this is great. And so what I asked her to do is pull me in. So when we get to that slide, can you kind of say, oh, Katie knows this data really well, I'm going to pass it off to her to um, tell you a little bit more about it. And so that worked really well because it wasn't like I had to interject. I had to find a way to get in. She brought me in. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as she brought me in, and as I mentioned before, I just had done a ton of preparing. I had you know, kind of laid out the points, the three points that I wanted to make about it. I had also done a bunch of research. If they wanted to go deeper on any of the data points, I was ready. And so I think just that level of being prepared, I showed up much more confidently, um, I knew my points and I could make them really, really concisely. And so just walked out of the meeting feeling great. That's awesome. And also just how important it is to ask for support. Right. Right. Like, I, yeah, I've, it's funny sitting here, I have some memories of trying to get my voice into a room and either like being in mid sentence and being told like, that's not a good idea or, you know, so, or something else and just how how that impacted me in, in that time and then impacted the next time I wanted to contribute mm. um, and get my voice in the room. So yeah. interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated with the inner part of this. And, you know, in our DVU, DVD University programs, we'll often talk about these beliefs, drive behaviors, which create results. So wanting to lean into those beliefs and our, you know, were there self-limiting beliefs that you bumped up against uh, that, that held you back? Yeah, definitely. I think um, not you know, just not knowing that what my level of contribution could be like, do, am I going to add value in this in the room? Like, is there a way that there's way more smarter people in this room than me? Am I going to say something that then is not going to make me look very smart and is going to reflect on me poorly? And so I think as we, you know, we're talking before about finding your voice, one reason to not find your voice is that you're scared of mm -hmm. if you say something, I think similar, Doug, to what you just said, is someone going to cut you off? Are you going to be, is your credibility going to be on the line because they're not going to believe what you said? And so I think there is some of that self-limiting behavior that goes into it that really makes you not want to take a risk. And so I definitely felt some of that um, early in my career. And, and to be honest, I still do. You know, I'll still be in a room with lots of people and lots of people who are smarter than I am and will be nervous about, about making a statement or, or getting my voice heard. And is there something specific you do in that moment to overcome that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't always do it perfectly. I think that there are lots of times where I still will sit back and, you know, leave a meeting and wish I would have said something. Um, but I think I just try to say, well, if I don't make this comment, if I don't get 
this piece of information out there, is the outcome going to be worse? You know, mm-hmm. do I have a piece of information that would be useful to this conversation? And is it going to help to move things forward? And so I think it's just balancing that and kind of forcing yourself to say, yes, this matters. I'm going to get it out there. Yeah, and I, I think it's it, it feels like one has to come before the other, right? Before you can inspire confidence in others, you have to have confidence in yourself. And um, and that seems like if anybody is struggling with executive presence, you can't you can't just adopt these little tips and tricks. You got to really be square with, do you believe what you are saying? And do you have confidence in that? And it sounds like, Katie, the way you get confidence or have gotten confidence in what you're saying is being really prepared and doing your homework and feeling like you know what you're talking about and and being able to share in that way. Is that Does that sound... That does sound right. right. And I actually have, and if you all could see my notebook, I have about four pages in the back of my notebook that have just sort of facts that I get repeatedly asked in various oh. meetings that I haven't you know, committed to memory. And so something will come up about those. And so I'll just pull it out. So it might be, you know, clinical data, it might be, you know, various metrics in our Medicare systems. And I just pull it out and say, oh, okay, this is what you're asking about. And I have it available to me. And I think that people have come to expect that of me. Like if I ask her this question, she's going to know the answer. And then again, the confidence is kind of a two-way street. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. I think if I were in a meeting with you and you did that, my confidence in you and the information you were providing would actually go up, that you're sourcing something that is, you know, that, that you knew might be needed. That's, that's cool. I didn't think of it that way. So Katie, tell us a little bit about the other side. So we've talked a lot about how you're, you know, you've gone through your journey. As a leader, how have you coached others to build executive presence? Yeah, so I'll give an example of um, a teammate that I've worked with uh, for a long time. And early in his career, he tended to use a lot of filler words, which we all do. We all we all use a lot of filler words. He was just exceptional. What what are filler words? Could Fil- you say more? Yeah, filler words are, uh, you know, um, those kind of words that just show up in between real words. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good way to say it. So, and, and again, it's part of our culture. I think it's part of our culture to talk casually and, but it and was to fill up silence. It's to fill up silence. Right? Yeah. But it was getting very distracting. So people, he would completely lose the room because there were so many of them in his speech. And so I asked him if it would be okay if I recorded him on a call so that he could hear it, you know, he could play it back himself. Cause it's, I think one thing to, have someone tell you it's another thing to actually hear it. And so I had recorded it for him. I played it back to him. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to fix this. And he did. He put a really good um, accountability system in place. And it's amazing. Like I think about him at the beginning of my time working with him and now, you know, four or five, six years later, never uses filler words and just really took it seriously. And I think it's made a huge difference in his executive presence. Do you have any, do you, do you know what is accountability? Yeah. Um, he'll, if he's listening, he'll probably know I'm talking about him though, when I say this. <laughs> um, so he put, he put um, quarters on his desk and he had a full jug of quarters. And every time someone heard him use a filler word, they would take a quarter from one side and put it into another jar. So there was like a physical reminder that and while he was watching it. And so he would catch himself and then he would watch the jar fill. Nice. And so then he made a commitment that however many quarters are in this jar, I'm going to take, I'm going to double and take you all the happy hour with it. And at the end of two months. And so he also had, you know, time bounded and um, it was really powerful. 
Now, there's a there's a possible disincentive to that, right? Where people are like trying to get him to use filler words so they can <laughs> right. go to happy hour so together. So we can drink right. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luck- luckily, we were in it for him. So <laughs> good. The intent was pure. Exactly. <laughs> so we're at that time in the episode where we ask our... Uh, um, Guest? Is that what yeah, you look for? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the word. That's the word. Host, guest, person, <laughs> One <of those>. you. <laughs> you. <laughs> We're at the time where we ask our um, interviewee to share a tip with our listeners. So what, what tip would you share with our listeners that they could go out that's super easy, like to put into practice really quickly? Yeah, the super quick tip that I would have people put into practice is figure out what it's going to take for you to find your voice in the room. What is that one thing you can do? Do you need your boss to help draw you out? Is it that one page where you're, you know something um, specific on it and you're going to make that comment? But find that thing that will help you draw your voice out because that'll ultimately give you more reps and um, help you know, inspire confidence in yourself and have others inspire, uh, feel that about you. Great. Yeah, great tip. Thank you so much for being here today, Katie. Yeah, thank you guys. It was fun. Thank you. That was an illuminating discussion with sure Katie was. about executive presence. Do you, do you like my new word, eliminating? Eliminating. Illuminating. Illuminating. <laughs> trying something new. Yes, I like it. <laughs> Good. So I really loved how she was able to demystify that term for us. And I enjoyed her tip at the end. Figure out what it's going to take for you to find your voice in the room. Completely agree. It's shed new light on the topic for me. Mm-hmm, Speaking mm-hmm. of illuminating. Yeah, illuminating. Yeah, get it? It's bad when you have to cue your joke, laugh, track. And speaking of tips, Grace, it is my turn to follow up on the tip from our last episode with Steve and Mahesh on practicing the art of innovation. Steve's tip was to celebrate the learnings from setbacks and to get feedback on your innovation hypothesis or idea in the real world. Yeah, cool. So, um, so do you have any failures or setbacks that you uh, wanted to celebrate? Uh, yeah, I did. I failed. Woohoo! Does that feel good to say it out I loud? I failed. You know, I have to be honest that there was a moment there was like, I don't want to say that I failed. Yeah. That it's hard. I don't think but anybody it's, really loves it. It's right? Just... But it did blow my mind that their goal is 80% of the time they failed. And if they're not failing 80% of the time, they're not they're not experimenting uh, far enough out on the edges, which is really cool. At any rate, let's get to my tip and how I applied it, this tip and how I applied it. I, um, I was piloting a new program here in DVU, Davida University, a leadership program, piloting it. And Grace, what do you think is the most important part of teaching a program? Yeah, as a learning professional, I'd say for learners to show up. Yeah, no one showed up. Oh my god! To my pilots, <laughs> and um, you know, it was it was an interesting experience. But at any rate, um, I learned a lot. I learned yeah. a, a lot of the things that I could have done to better support uh, people in showing up and to build more energy and uh, and things like that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we were able to just celebrate that just now. And your learnings from that. Does Thank it feel you. better to yes, say it out loud? Yes, I do feel better, yes. Good. Feel better. Glad to hear it. Well, thanks for sharing, Doug. And for our listeners out there, we would love to hear your stories and tips as well. Please check out our show notes and click on the listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, which we hope you have, if you haven't, please click on that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. 
And if you enjoyed these podcasts, please rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes so that we can know how we're doing. And until we see you next week, one for all. And all for one.